In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord, as we begin this time of prayer, this time of contemplation and true intimacy with you, we can call to mind something that a great friend of yours, a great saint, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity said. Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity commented on the 17th chapter of Saint John and she said that 17th chapter was so rich that we could contemplate it for the rest of our lives. That if it were the only text that we had, it would be enough for us to, to pray about, to bring to our meditation. There's enough there, there's enough richness to it to feed our spiritual life for our whole, for our whole life. And we know the context, the context of the 17th chapter of John is that priestly prayer, that last discourse of our Lord in the uh, upper room at the Last Supper that only St. John records. And it's a beautiful thing that St. John, having written his gospel after the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, St. John includes this long discourse of Jesus. It comprises several chapters of his gospel this long discourse in which Jesus speaks to the apostles about the love of his Father for them, about his love for them, about their unity, the unity they should have as Christians. And St. John, we know, he himself describes this. In that Last Supper, he's right next to our Lord. He's leaning on our Lord's chest. He's got his ear right up next to that sacred heart of our Lord. And so he could probably hear our Lord's heart beating. He could feel our Lord's heart beating. And all those words that he records are words that he hears directly from the lips of our Lord. He doesn't miss a thing. He's so close to our Lord's mouth. He's so close to our Lord's body. And so if we're daring enough, Lord, in this time of prayer, we can, we can try to do the same. We can get right up to our Lord, sit right next to him, lean our head down onto his chest and hear his words. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Lord, help us to be astonished. Help us to be excited. Help us to be stoked as... <laughs> kids say these days, or at least they used to say, help us to be stoked about your love for us. If you knew the gift of God, our Lord says, right? if you knew how much God loves you, if you knew, if you knew what you meant to God, St. Josemaria says, to know that you love me so much, my God, and yet I haven't lost my mind. Right? If we knew it, it would drive us, it would drive us crazy. We, we would be blown away 
by how much God loves us. And, and this is what Jesus is telling us. You have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That God the Father, when he loves you and I, loves us with the same love with which he loves his son. He loves all of his son's disciples. He loves all of those who belong to him through baptism in the same way that he loves his only begotten son. Because that baptism configures us to Christ. It makes us part of Christ's body. It puts Christ in us and us in him. I in them and you in me. And this is something that, Lord, we want to be more aware of. Lord, as I go through the day, as I face the troubles of each day, as I face the challenges of each day, as I try to grow day by day with patience in the virtues and in the attitudes that you want me to grow in, Lord, help me to remember this, that I'm not alone. That far from being alone, Lord, you're as close to me as you can possibly be. Right inside of my soul, with the Holy Spirit. In that same discourse, a couple chapters before, in chapter 14, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another Consoler to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so again, Lord, you express this, this relationship that we have with you as an indwelling. You say that in, in, in the 17th chapter, as we just saw before, I in them and you in me. That Jesus is in us and the Father is in Jesus. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit in the same way. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And our Lord goes on, I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. I in you, him in us, and us in him. This is the great mystery, Lord, of intimacy with God, of intimacy with you. Lord, help us to make an act of faith in this. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're present in my soul. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're present in my life. Lord Jesus, I believe that you have sent the Holy Spirit, that he too is with me. And so anything we're experiencing, anything we're going through, we have to realize that we go through it with God. And that God isn't looking at us from the outside, judging us as if we were some sort of external object to be judged critically. Right? God is not the, the judge of uh, a dog show, that panel of judges, which judges right, who will be the best in show. And we're not purebred dogs who need to be perfect before this, this critical and harsh observer. God is in my heart loving me. God is in my heart feeling everything that I feel. God is in my mind seeing all my thoughts from the inside out. And so, and so if I want to be closer to God, if I want to trust him more, maybe I can start just by referring things to him. Lord Jesus, 
Right now I'm sad. But I know that you feel this sadness too because you're inside of me. If I'm in the state of grace, of course. And if we're not in the state of grace, go to confession. Find a priest and, and get out those all those ugly sins, those mortal sins, and get back in the state of grace and start praying more. We have a wonderful opportunity to be friends of God. We have a wonderful opportunity to let God love us and to love Him back. This is the potential of our Christian life. Lord, I'm going to take advantage of it. But if we're in the state of grace, and when we're in the state of grace, our Lord is right there, seeing all, all that we do, all that we are, all that we feel, all that we choose from the inside out. Not as something foreign to us, but as part of us, with us, in us, through us. St. Augustine, a great saint, whose feast we happen to celebrate today, says this about this intimacy with God. He says, You are more inward to me than my in, in, most inward part and higher than my highest part. In Latin, is very beautiful. Interior intimo meo et superior sumo meo. Right? You're, you're more interior to my most interior part or you're more intimate to me than I am to myself. And you're higher than my highest part. That God totally encompasses us in the center of our soul. He's there. He's more intimate to us than we are to ourselves. He's closer to us than we are to ourselves. And at the same time, He totally transcends all of being. He's higher than the highest part of us. Lord, help me to try to remember this. And perhaps now, in this time of prayer, when we do our mental prayer, when we sit down to contemplate, to meditate. At times it's good just to try to meet our Lord inside of us, try to meet our Lord inside of our heart, and to rest like that, to relax like that, and to realize that, anything that's not a sin, anything that's not a voluntary choice against Him, can be offered to Him as an act of love, can be shown to Him, as an act of trust. Any anxiety that I'm feeling, any worry that I have, any distractions or stupid thoughts, <laughs> stupid thoughts that can go through my mind in my time of prayer, I can simply show that to our Lord and offer it to Him as an act of love, as an act of trust. I don't have to have perfect control over my thoughts to please God. What he wants is me as I am. And, and one way of praying is just to sit in his presence and show him everything that happens and try to be at peace with everything that happens because he's there with me and he understands. He gets it. St. Maria was a man of great prayer. The founder of Opus Dei taught many people to pray. And he too um, drew a lot out of St. John's Gospel, like Elizabeth of the Trinity. This is a point from his, his book, The Way. Sine me nil potestis facere. That's Latin, uh, the Vulgate version of this verse in St. John. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. St. Josemaria goes on to comment, new light 
new splendor for my eyes from that eternal light, the Holy Gospel. Should I be surprised at all my foolishness? Without me, you can do nothing. And so if, if we mess up, if we um, sin, if we fall into habits of thinking that are uh, destructive or kind of useless, we shouldn't be surprised, right? If we're not letting Jesus uh, take the lead, if we're not asking ourselves often, Lord, what do you want from me in this? Lord, what are you going to help me do today? Lord, who are you going to love through me? Why should I be surprised at my foolishness, whether giving into sin at times or whether giving into fearfulness at times, whether giving into discouragement at times, lacks of charity, all that foolishness in my life? Why should I be surprised? Without me, our Lord says, you can do nothing. And then St. Josemaria doesn't just stop there. He doesn't stop with the negative consideration. Should I be surprised at all my foolishness? He goes on, he says, I will put Jesus into everything that is mine. And then there will be no foolishness in my conduct. And if I would speak correctly, I should talk no more of what is mine, but of what is ours. What a wonderful way of thinking, Lord about how I should live presence of God. I will put Jesus into everything that is mine. Right? To do everything, trying to be aware that our Lord is there at the center of our soul, doing it with us, right? living his life through my life. Reliving. Right? When we suffer, our Lord relives his passion in us. When we're afraid, our Lord relives the agony of the garden in us. When we're sad, our Lord relives his sadness over the death of his friend Lazarus in us. When we preach the gospel, when we, when we tell others about the faith or encourage others to be good, our Lord relives his public life in us. When we work and we have that ordinary life, that ordinary day of work and rest and meals with our family or friends, and the hobbies that, that help us to relax. Our Lord relives most of his life in us, through us, that hidden life of our Lord, which is totally ordinary, which is totally normal. Our Lord wants to live in us, I in you and you in me. And so what's the life that he's going to live in us? Well, it's going to be his life. And he's going to want to do the same things that he did during those 30 years to redeem us during those 30 years, to love God the Father during those 30 years, to form his apostles, to save souls. He wants to keep living that life through me and you. I will put Jesus everything, I will put Jesus into everything that is mine. And then there will be no foolishness in my conduct. And if I would speak correctly, I should talk no more of what is mine, but of what is ours. And so, Lord, help me. Help me to try to keep this in mind throughout the day. Your powerful presence in me. Your presence with me throughout the day. So that when I, you know, when I face the day, we all do this, right? We think it's so easy to think that we're alone. It's so easy to fall into the habit of thinking that it's kind of all up to me. And so we wake up in the morning and we think, well, what do I have to do today? And there might be many great things and we might live a very good life. I'm not saying that we're all terrible people. 
But we wake up and we think, what do I have to do today? And then we think, well, I have to pray, I have to eat breakfast, I have to, you know, shower, get changed, get ready, I have to go to work, I have to take care of this thing for uh, my, my family or my children, I have to do this other thing, I have to make this phone call. And, you know, we think that we're alone, basically. Whenever we say, I, I have to do this, I have to do that, I, 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 I. Well, supernaturally speaking, we're totally wrong. We're totally off. We we missed we missed the whole we missed the boat, we missed the whole, the whole um, charm, of being a Christian. We missed the whole blessing, of being a Christian. Without me, you can do nothing. I will not leave you alone. I will come to you. I am with you always. He dwells with you and will be in you. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And so we need to turn that, that tendency that we all have to think, I have to do this, I have to do that, you know, with my own effort. Of course we have to put our effort in, of course. But our tendency is to think that it's all up to us and it's only my day. And my responsibility is my responsibility. And in a way, yes, that's true. We have a responsibility. We have to put our effort in. But we're not alone. We have this power on our side. We have this person who's all-powerful on our side. And he's not far from us. And he loves us. He wants to help us. Right? The more we ask him for his help, the more delighted he is with us. The more we lean on him, the more we depend on him, the more pleasing we are to him. Without me, you can do nothing. And so he's telling us, you know, when you look at your day, don't say, I have to do this, I have to do that. What do I have to do? What am I going to do? Say it, Lord Jesus, what are we going to do together? Lord Jesus, what are we going to do this morning? Lord, we have to go to work. Lord, we have to make that phone call. Lord, we have to face this problem. Lord, we have to make this doctor's appointment because I'm sick. Lord, we have to go to therapy because I've been dealing with depression or anxiety. Whatever it is, right? whatever it is, our Lord Jesus is with us in our heart, especially when we're in the state of grace. But even if we're not in the state of grace, he's holding you in existence. He's creating you with a thought of love for you. He wants to bring you to the state of grace, to a higher level of union with him. But in a way, he's already united to you because you can't exist without his love. You exist because he loves you. He gives you your very act of being, as the, as the philosophers would say. And he gives you your act of being. Without God, you can't, you can't exist. You have no being on your own. You're made out of nothing. You're, you exist because he loves you. So I look, I look, and perhaps, you know, perhaps there's um, certain areas in my life when I'm really aware of God's presence, when I pray, when I go to church, when certain things happen, perhaps I'm in the habit of turning to God. But perhaps, Lord, there are other, other things in my life where I tend to really think that you're not with me, where I tend to doubt your presence or doubt your power or doubt your care for me. And so, Lord, I, I'm sorry for that. I know that you are, are, are there. I believe that you're there. And I'm sorry for the times when I habitually or perhaps willfully 
doubt your presence or doubt your love or doubt your care for me. And help me to start over. Help me to do this. Help me to do this better. Give me a special grace, Lord, to know that you're with me, to know more and more that you're inside of me, that you're around me, that you're in me, and that I and that I am in you. Another wonderful saint who um, who had this great sense of um, of God's presence and the power of God's presence was St. Patrick. St. Patrick, of course, is the apostle um, to Ireland, and he's much beloved in um, all over the world, uh, much beloved in the United States, where I am at this at this time, and um, much beloved in Boston, where I live, or I live really outside of Boston. But and so St. Patrick is is um, is just just a wonderful figure who Irish Catholics all around the world and others right, really adore. And sometimes we think you know he becomes like a little bit of a folk, a folk figure, right? A little bit like you know Santa Claus and Saint Patrick, they kind of get conflated. Right? He chased the snakes out of Ireland, and he's got the shamrock. And you know, we have Saint Patrick's Day, and people go out and drink, right? And so he becomes a little bit of a cultural, a cultural kind of folk figure. But he was a powerful man of prayer, and he spent he spent you know days, weeks, nights in prayer, in in in. Um, Prayer and penance. Right? You'd go out onto the top of this of this mountain in Ireland where it rains constantly and it's cold and windy. And he'd spend he'd spend you know weeks there praying, trying to be close to God, trying to win grace for the people that he was trying to convert. And St. Patrick had um, had a very difficult time. You know, he was fighting against um, Violent pagans, the druids, who, um, who would often attack him, right? Attack him spiritually, attack him, try to attack him physically, and so there's a tradition um, of prayer. It's called the Lorica of Saint Patrick. It's a long prayer, which invokes the presence of God. Um, it's attributed to Saint Patrick. It's probably uh, inspired by him. Certainly inspired by him, if not written by him. This is a little bit of the uh, Lorca of St. Patrick. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth and his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion and his burial, through the strength of his resurrection and his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. I think that's so helpful, Lord, to think about the mysteries of our faith, not just as truths outside of us, Lord. They're not just things that you did or that are, right? I believe in the Trinity. I believe God's the creator. I believe in your birth and baptism, your burial, and I believe that all those things are true. That's true. But they're things that I live in and things that I draw strength from because they're manifestations of God's love for me. I arise today through a mighty strength, 
the invocation of this Trinity, the strength of your birth and baptism, the strength of your crucifixion and your burial, the strength of your resurrection and your ascension, the strength of your descent for the judgment of doom. Right? I arise today through the strength of my faith in these realities. I arise today through the strength of the love of the cherubim in obedience of angels and service of archangels and the hope of resurrection to meet with reward and the prayers of patriarchs and the preachings of the apostles and faiths of confessors and innocence of virgins and deeds of righteous men. The merits of the saints through the communion of the saints are our merits. The merits of Christ himself, Lord, your merits are my merits in baptism. And so this isn't just like, uh, yeah, I'm kind of inspired by the saints, or yeah, you know, it's kind of nice that Christ did that for me. No, it's yours. It's mine. We come before the Father with the merits of Christ. We come before the Father in the, through the communion of the saints with the merits of the saints, in spite of all our weakness, all our limitations. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the wind, depth of the sea, stability of the earth, firmness of the rock. Right? The God who creates heaven and earth and gives all these wonderful powers to creation is our Father, is our God. He's on our side. Strength of heaven, light of the sun, splendor of, of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the sea, depth of the sea, Stability of the earth, firmness of the rock, right? The Avengers have nothing on us. The Avengers with all their special skills and powers, any superhero you can think of, besides the fact that they're just false and not real, they have nothing on a child of God. God is all-powerful and he loves you and he's on your side. I rise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me. God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's hosts to save me from snares of the devil, from temptations of vices, from everyone who desires me ill, afar and near, alone or in a multitude. God's strength, God's power, God's presence. I summon today all these powers between me and evil. And Lord, we see evil unleashed in the world. We see the violence. We see the division. We see the false ideologies. And they affect us. And at times, Lord, they attack us and make us fearful. I summon today all these powers between me and evil against every cruel, merciless power that opposes my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ, shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that, may, so that reward may come to me in abundance. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, 
Christ in the ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, through a confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. My Lord and my God, we firmly believe, Lord, that you are this great God. We firmly believe, Lord, the words that you speak to those apostles apply also to us, that you have not left us alone, you have not left us, left us desolate, that you have come to us. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. So Lord, as we face our life day by day, as we face the challenges, the particular challenges of our time, which are interesting <laughs> to live through this, this time, Lord, help us to realize that we're not alone. Help us to lift up our hearts to heaven and to look into our hearts and find you there. So that however you want us to live through this time, Lord, um, we realize that you're close to us, helping us to do it. We go to Our Lady, Our Lady who was the first who had our Lord inside of her, literally, physically inside of her. Teach us, our Mother Mary, to be aware of God's presence in us, to be aware of the presence of your Son in us, so that whether we're praying or working or relaxing, we're doing it all with Jesus, with our Lord. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.